0: It is April the 1st of 2022. It's Friday. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Um, I think that maybe today is one of those days that should come with a little bit of a warning sign. Um, Maybe today is a proceed with caution day. Put the little yellow yellow light up. There will be lots of people on social media and elsewhere um, trying to take us for fools in a number of ways. And so just think that, you know, having... Being aware of that, um, I was—I—I I w- I already had to be aware of that this morning when I started, uh, you know, considering what we were going to talk about today and whether or not a headline was real or an April Fool's kind of joke, um, a satire or a parody or just an outright lie. So there you go. Proceed with caution today. But it also, um, you know, April Fool's always reminds me every single year that for Christians, like every day is a day for fools because we are, in fact, fools for Christ, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25 is the passage that I would um, commend to you today. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the very power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ, crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God stronger than man's strength. First Corinthians chapter one verses eighteen to twenty-five, good fodder for thought on this April Fool's Day. Um, as um, as we approach Palm Sunday and then the events of Holy Week and then ultimately Easter, um, there are some fools' errands in there that we might consider. I mean, there's this like fools' errand related to Palm Sunday, where Jesus sends um, his guys to retrieve the colt of a donkey for him to ride into Jerusalem. Um, As you consider the, uh, again, further into the events of Holy Week, the the foolish challenge to temple authorities and turning over the tables of the money changers, Uh, Judas playing the fool, Jesus um, condemned as a fool by the Jews and the Romans alike, So there's no question that April is a good month to talk about the foolishness of God, um, well, or the wisdom of God, which looks to the world as foolishness. We are wise to remember that in the eyes of the world, what we believe is foolishness, and yet it is the very wisdom of God. Um, We're going to turn our conversation and talk with our friend Adam Holtz. Um, We gave him an assignment several weeks ago. Related to movies that families might consider as we are seeking, you know, to live in a time of open warfare, particularly in relationship to Ukraine. But, you know, I think it's a broader conversation than just that. So um, Adam has done his assignment and he returns today um, to talk about that. We will also do some movie reviews. And, yes, I will ask him, what's going on with Disney? All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Adam Holtz is back. You can find the reviews we're discussing today at PluggedIn.com. Adam, glad to have you, man, on this April the
2: 1st. I am glad to be here, and my scratchy voice is not an April Fool's joke. It's for real. So we'll have to I hope to it's because you were,
0: like, madly cheering for something.
2: No, I've been madly coughing for two weeks. Oh, so I'm so sorry. There's that. But All right. Um,
0: Morbius looks
2: horrible. <laughs> It is, yeah. Uh, This is a movie about a a guy who's dying of a rare blood disease, thinks transfusing vampire bat blood into his will save him. It does, but it also turns him into a vampire. And then we have, you know, the moral problems that come with being a vampire. PG-13, watch the trailer, and then you don't have to go see the movie. Or don't watch the trailer, because this one's really forgettable.
0: Yeah. All right. How about Apollo Ten and a Half?
2: Apollo Ten and a Half is a, oh, it's a wistful, reminiscent, nostalgic trip back to 1969, courtesy of Richard Linklater, who is uh, kind of under the radar director. He did a movie a while back called Boyhood, which he filmed over the course of 15 years. So he has this interest in childhood and nostalgia it's about um, NASA realizing they made the lunar module too small, so they have to send a boy to the moon before they build a full-size version. Uh, it's pretty, pretty quiet, pretty lovely film. Um, it's got some language. It's got some suggestive content. But I think anybody who was around in the 60s or 70s might enjoy the nostalgic trip back that we see there.
0: All right, that's sweet. All right, um, Better Nate Than Never.
2: Better Nate Than Never is a story about a character named Nate. Nate's in seventh grade. He is in love with the idea of being a Broadway star, and when his parents go away for the weekend, he uh, basically convinces a friend of his to run away with him from Pittsburgh to New York City to audition for a new production of Lilo and Stitch, Uh, On the surface, if you watch the trailer, you'll think this looks like every other follow your dream Disney thing you've ever seen. Uh, This one has some pretty significant problems, I think. Um, There's a lot of deception, manipulation, lying and no consequences, really. In fact, this boy is really rewarded for all of those things. Uh, He's pretty insufferable in his narcissism. So there's no correction there. And it's very clear that he is gay even though they never come right out and say it there are all sorts of homosexual tropes and stereotypes and winks and nods uh, baked into this and as we're going to talk about a little bit later we can expect to see a lot more stuff like this from disney
0: okay let's just talk about that right now what is going on with disney and um you know, can you imagine a Christian alternative? That was the that was the conversation in my car. Like, all right, Disney is what it is. Disney is headed in the direction it's headed. <laughs> um, is there a Christian alternative? Um, so, but what's going on with Disney?
2: Well, Disney, um, a couple of things. Obviously, the law that was uh, passed in Florida, which has been called "Don't Say Gay," which is actually kind of a ridiculous summary of this law that basically prohibits schools from talking about sexual orientation and transgenderism with kids from kindergarten through third grade. So when you find out what this law actually says, I think most reasonable people would say, yeah, we don't need to have our schools having conversations with kids about transgenderism when they're seven years old, okay? Um, But Disney World, many employees have um, risen up and protested, although, Relative to how many there are, it's a pretty small number. Uh, So there's that going on. And simultaneously, a couple of Disney execs have come out and said that they are very explicitly taking Disney down a path of fully embracing and advocating for the LGBTQ agenda. Um, Corporate president Katie Burke says, as the mother of one transgender child and a pansexual child... She supports having many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, and she wants a minimum of 50% to represent um, LGBTQ characters and racial minorities. So um, I think that what we're seeing in this movie is a harbinger of things to come, and I think the time is quickly approaching where Christian parents uh, are really going to have to consider cutting the cord with Disney because they're ramming this agenda uh, not in any kind of a uh, a subtle way, but in a plainly stated way, ramming it down our throats.
0: I mean, yeah, it's very uh, maybe I appreciate their candor and just how straightforward um, they are being. Um, all right, let's um, let's take a very brief pause. I would uh, I, lo- I would love to get to the assignment yes. um, that that we gave you a couple of weeks ago and allow you some real time to talk about your recommendations for families. Who, you know, really are trying to faithfully broach the subject and explore the themes of war with our kids. Yep. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Um, Adam Holtz uh, is with us from Focus on the Families, plugged in.
2: But I'm proud to recall that in
1: no time at all, with no other resources, but my own resources with firm application and determination, I made a fool of myself.
0: All right. Continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can find Adam at PluggedIn.com. All right, Adam, uh, we we challenged you to uh, help us broach the subject um, and explore the themes of war with our kids. What did you come up with?
2: Well, it's a tough list to come up with because war is an inherently difficult topic. So um, there's not a lot of like patently kid-friendly war movies out there. Um, so some of this is going to be, with the caveat, you're going to have to deal with some content. Um, I think that we could start with Life is Beautiful from 1997, which is a movie uh, about a man and his son who end up in a concentration camp. And Roberto Benigni plays that father who tries to make his life bearable. Uh, this is an achingly beautiful movie uh, and and really If there can be a wonderful concentration camp movie, this is it, but we're still dealing with that context, right? So that would be my first jumping off point. uh, And I'm going to stop and take a sip of hot water and let you respond to that.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's good. And um, that was actually one of the movies that one of you guys mentioned to me when we started this conversation some time ago. Um, We also got recommendations for Operation Finale. Um, we got one for uh, a, a 2019 movie, um, just Tolkien, which is, you know, got war uh-huh. themes, obviously, as well. Yep. So, um, what's next on your list?
2: So, I want to do some sort of strange categorical things. I think if you want uh, a fun, rollicking, enjoyable sing along movie about war, you could watch mm-hmm. South Pacific, uh, which uh, is a musical, obviously. And, mm-hmm. It actually has a little tiny bit more content than you might remember, but it's dealing with wartime in the South Pacific. Um, Back in that era as well, uh, watch Casablanca. I mean, Mm -hmm. here you get a movie about how war affects relationships and how everybody attempts to scramble in the midst of that. Um, If you're looking for a big blockbuster that has some violence, but is pretty navigable and is one of my... Favorite movies of all time, the 1976 version of Midway, about the battle for Midway um, in June of 1942, I think, Um, maybe 43, forgive me. It's a remarkable big budget Hollywood war movie that is kind of a throwback. And I think what it emphasizes is sometimes in war, victory or defeat comes down to luck who can find the other guy first. And this movie has everybody who ever made a movie in the 20th century before 1960 or so. Henry Fonda, Glenn Ford, Robert Mitchum, Hal Holbrook, Tom Selleck, James Coburn. I mean, the list just goes on and on and it has a John Williams soundtrack that came out a year before star Wars that you're going to think, Oh, wow, that sounds a little like star Wars. Um, I think if you have older teens and you're ready to wade into the horror of war, the twin offerings of Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List really grapple with the awful atrocity and horror and violence of war. But they're both graphic R rated movies. So, you know, I would say probably 16, 17 on up for those. And then I just want to throw two other ones in that are off the beaten path. One of them is a 2003 documentary about Robert McNamara, who was the Secretary of Defense during the Vietnam War, and it's called The Fog, F-O-G, of War. And it talks about how when you're in war, things that will seem very clear to historians later on are not clear at all to the people making decisions in the moment. Uh, And then finally, the 2004 Austrian movie Downfall, Um, is about Hitler's last days in the bunker. Uh, It's narrated by the woman who was actually his secretary at the time, and it has been called the most accurate World War II movie ever made. Um, The actor who portrayed Hitler recently died, but he studied his voice tapes, and we basically see people coming to grips with the fact that Hitler has completely lost his mind and that they're all going to die. But in terms mm-hmm. of a glimpse into the mind of Hitler, in the end, um, it is a tour de force movie uh, that that is a, a remarkable and and tragic accomplishment.
0: It leads me to want to make um, s- speculative comments about the days in which we live, but I will um, I will resist the temptation to hope there is a secretary. Um, in a room right now in Russia um, and that that person is taking good notes and that um, that the fog of war uh, in in this particular day and time is maybe not as great because of social media. Right. Like, I'm just kind of hopeful. And then your comment about Midway, um, you know, we, we do think of it as uh, luck, but I think that people in the intelligence services would say, um not so much anymore.
2: Right. No, that's true. And <laughs> right? But I mean but no, I but I that... I
0: think that the timing of these and the time period in which uh it, the times that are discussed in these films gives us opportunity to then have conversations about how different things are today and yes. how many things are not different today.
2: Well that's exactly right. And I think that you're right to say social media does change things, but I think in every war War is fundamentally about conflict and power. And and there are always these moments that are tipping points, right? That even right up to the brink of the tipping point, you're not sure how it's going to go. And then something happens. Like in Midway, you know, there was a ton of intelligence, but you got these guys in planes flying over the clouds in the South Pacific looking for the Japanese fleet and they find them before the japanese find the americans and they set a trap right and so it's just the mechanizations of of how does it all work together and that even today with all of our intelligence there still comes down to uh well luck from a human point of view but but god's providential hand is on things right uh Amen. he is in control Amen. even if sometimes we struggle to see how to, how we reconcile that truth that we cling to with the horror of what we're seeing on our television screens and smartphones
0: and and the things that are allowed to happen in the midst of it all i think yes. all of that is important fodder yeah. for conversation for christian uh christian families and, and you know and and, and all of I, us
2: today i want to say one more thing i think that one of the things that has happened with the ukraine invasion is since the fall of the iron curtain i think there's been a sense that maybe we put all that nonsense in the 20th century behind us you know that we're mm-hmm. that we're better and i think what putin illustrated is that evil is still very real and it's utterly rampant and that humanity has not evolved into being a better moral creature on his own since the fall of, you know, the Berlin Wall in 1991 uh, or 1989, um, you know, it, it's, we're not in a better place. And this is a, a stark reminder that every generation has to confront that evil when it, when it rises up like this. So uh, I think it's important for us to remember that.
0: Yeah, we, we live in a, in a fallen and redemptive reality, not a progressive one. And I think that's exactly. important. Yeah, it's hugely um, Adam, important hugely important. As always, thank you so much. Love um, love your insight. Blessings uh, on you and healing upon your voice. May the cough subside. Um, that is Adam Holtz. You can find him at Focus on the Families plugged in. Hi, yeah. So when I hear John Stone Street uh, talking about efforts uh, by the Colson Center, I, I have a renewed heart of appreciation for Chuck Colson, um, and and commend uh, commend to Almighty God just such gratitude for Colson's um, witness, uh, his conversion his ministry uh, inside of prisons, and then for prison fellowship, and then ultimately for every other expression of ministry that comes out of the Colson Center. Prison fellowship is actively engaged right now in Second Chance Month. It's a part of justice reform, um, and it's happening across the country. April is actually Second Chance Month. And so Pastor Mark Batterson joins us next to uh, to talk about Second Chance Month. Everybody deserves a second chance. Why are we so reticent to give a second chance um, to people who are formerly incarcerated? That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm going the
2: green grass grows. Watch my
0: All right, before um, Pastor Mark Batterson joins us on uh, second Chance Month, let me give the Friday farm report all right so let 's see this week on the farm, there have been a lot uh, there 's been a lot of moving of trees, um, and I know that for some of you, you say, "Oh my goodness, that sounds like uh, quite the project yeah i I am married to a person who spent Um, three decades as an arborist. Like, I mean, Jim actually owned a tree service company and he's a certified arborist. And so periodically um, he gets a bug to, you know, move trees around. You know, there should be more cedars over here. These dogwoods should be over here. We need more of these on this perimeter. Or, you know, the deer need more of a hedge between this and that or the other thing. And so he will rent a tree spade, which is uh, this piece of equipment that attaches to the front of his bobcat. And he will, um, you know, dig up selective trees and go and put them other places. So I don't know, 30, 40, 50 trees. I have no idea. Lots of trees have moved around in the last um, handful of days. And so I suppose that is the Friday farm report for this week. Uh, and then we, have, of course, had these straight line winds. And so if you know anything about a transplanted tree, it's not yet very stable. And so after the transplanting of the trees, there was then the staking of the trees, the securing of the trees, the propping back up of the trees. Lots of trees this week um, at the at the LaBerge home um, in terms of what's going on on the farm. All right. Pastor Mark Batterson is joining us now. He is the pastor of the National Community Church in Washington, D.C., and he's joining us to talk specifically about Second Chance Month. Mark, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Hey, thank you Carmen. So good to be back.
0: You know, we range our topics range pretty widely. So I know that you were probably surprised to hear a Friday farm report right before you came on.
1: <laughs> I love it. I uh, it gets me <laughs> back in touch with my Minnesota roots, Carmen.
0: That's exactly right. All right, so um so Mark, um second chance month we have talked about this on prior occasions, but it's been a long time. So remind us about our formerly incarcerated neighbors. Let's talk about the numbers. Let's talk about the challenges that they face and then the inspiration for Second Chance Month, which starts today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I can't help but think of the question that Jesus posed in Matthew 25. When did you see me in prison and visit you? Uh And and he answers the question himself, whatever you did for these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so when we love those who are impacted by crime and incarceration, I I think we're, we're doing what is near and dear to the heart of God, Carmen. And so we feel like that's one of the gaps that we need to stand in as the church And uh, stand in that gap as peacemakers, grace givers, truth tellers, tone setters. And when we do that, we begin to uh, impact our culture in a positive way.
0: One conversation we have had surrounding this just with our teenage kids is, okay, when Paul was in prison, like we will read a passage, um, you know, in the book of Acts, and clearly Paul is in prison, and he's there for a number of years, and he gets transferred from one prison to another, and decisions are made about, you know, who's going to watch him, what he's going to be allowed to do. And there are places where, you know, obviously his friends visit him, and we talk about that. Who visits Mm -hmm. Paul in prison? Um, We talk about, you know, like places in Scripture where, People are in prison, and how are they cared for? Who cares about them? And how does their story, you know, unfold um, as mm. a part of you know the redemption, the redemptive narrative of the gospel? And there's lots of prison narratives in the Bible if we'll just pay attention to them. So talk with yeah. us about um, talk with us about the um, the theology of redemption, right? So because redemption is our story, we are second chance people.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, especially in a culture that is, can, can I say it, baiting, trolling, shaming, and canceling. <laughs> we we believe in the grace of God. Uh, we believe in a God who has not, cannot, will not give up on you. It's not in his nature. And I think what we have a hard time with, Carmen, is we want to deserve forgiveness or deserve salvation. But by definition, grace is the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. And so I, I, there, there's a God who gives second and third and hundred chances. And when when we've experienced that grace, well, forgiven people, forgive people 70 times seven. Then we become people of the second chance. And now we have an opportunity to preach the good news of the gospel to uh, those that uh, are uh, in prison, those that live right next to us, those that we work with or work out with.
0: So I think, um, Mark, we're tempted to imagine that uh, people who are incarcerated and then those who are formerly incarcerated, um, you know, they're not Christians. Those aren't our brothers and sisters. That That's just really not the truth. I mean, there are so many people who redemptive love of God in Christ Jesus through prison ministries of, of various kinds. Um, they really are our brothers and sisters when they come out. They really do need a new family, a new community, a new place to start. Talk with us about ministries with those who are formerly incarcerated.
1: Yeah. Well, we, we are partnering with Prison Fellowship, which is a wonderful ministry. And uh, so Second Chance Sunday and Second Chance Month is is an opportunity to maybe uh, put the spotlight on those that are often forgotten I think carmen you're you 're so right. I think when someone finds themselves uh incarcerated, often the the door to faith opens and and people are now searching for well what what do I do now uh, and so just uh would it be okay if I shared a few a few numbers because I think it gives a little bit Please. of Context. So one in two Americans have a loved one who was or is incarcerated. 70 million adults have a criminal record. Uh, 1.5 million children have a parent in prison. Uh, This is something that um, affects us more than what we are even aware of. And so I think it's so important that we care for those who have been impacted by crime because there's so much trauma and it's so easy to get triggered if you've been affected by crime. We've got to help people heal. But but then we also need to believe that just as uh, Paul himself said, <laughs> he called himself the chief of sinners, and yet God uses him to write half the New Testament, go on three missionary journeys, start dozens of churches. And so there, there's just... We we can't write people off. When I read the Gospels, Jesus is always giving that second chance, and so the people that culture writes off are often the people that Jesus uses to accomplish His plans and purposes. And I I will say this just on a personal note, you know, I, I've written a few books, Carmen, and somehow those books. Uh, land in the hands of those who are in prison. I have gotten thousands of letters uh, from those who are incarcerated, and I'm just amazed by the life change about the the fact that the grace of God can find us in the darkest, most desperate place.
0: And then I think, Mark, the question that then uh, people who experience that in prison, right? They're experiencing that hope. They're experiencing that redemptive change. And then they get out and they find out that the people of the church aren't quite as loving and um, enfolding. We aren't quite as family-ish as we might uh, imagine ourselves or certainly that we're called to be. Like, right, there is a disconnect between how many congregations um, regard people who have been formally incarcerated, and ministries designed to actively reach out and enfold them. Um, this is a th- this is a growing edge for most congregations.
1: Mm, it it really is, and we're a little bit better at talking than walking this out. Carmen, and so you know what we what we need to do. I love that idea of enfolding them back into the family, you know. And and I'm sure people are listening and wondering, well, how how do I do that? Well, there, there's a few ways. Do you, is there anybody that you know that there there is a loved one in prison? Guess what? You you can stand in that gap and maybe be a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, or maybe you're an employer. Uh, it, there are 44,000 legal barriers that make it very difficult for returning citizens to get a job, and the unemployment rate among returning citizens is like 27%, and poverty is the strongest predictor of recidivism. And so we've got to somehow give people that second chance, and there, there are some practical ways that we can do it.
0: Is there somewhere we can send people for um for information about all this?
1: Yeah, I I might recommend uh Prison Fellowship and, and then uh this weekend we will uh in partnership with Prison Fellowship, we will uh broadcast a special gathering called Second Chance Sunday and uh live.national.cc is our online extended family. And so we would certainly invite people to join us this weekend as we uh, really celebrate the grace of God.
0: So we want you to explore in your own community, um, those congregations and ministries that are engaged in Second Chance Month. And if you want to engage your congregation, um, we'd love for you to do that. You can check out resources at prisonfellowship.org. Mark Batterson, um, thank you so much for joining us today. National Community Church, you guys can check out research, re, uh, resources there as well. Um, National Reentry Resource org. Mark, thanks so much.
1: Thanks so much, Carmen. God bless.
0: You too. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. so thankful for the foolishness of the cross. I mean, even just that conversation with Mark Batterson about second chance month, um, you know, as we approach Holy week, we are going to see Jesus on trial. I mean, right. We are going to see, um, the penalty of sin placed upon not just an innocent man, but the man who is also fully God. In order that his sacrifice on our behalf would be sufficient, um, and so when when you're reading the trials of Jesus, and I know that it is, um, you know, it is one conversation for us to have. You know, Jesus as an utterly innocent person, wrongfully accused, um, wrongfully condemned unto death. That you know, we are talking about variations on that theme for some people in our culture. And we're talking about a lot of people convicted like criminals, crucified uh, on Jesus's left and right. Um, And so we're talking about a due penalty for crimes committed. And I recognize that, but aren't we all second chance people? And what does it look like for me to withhold a second chance from a person who has been incarcerated, who has paid their debt to society, um, who has suffered the the penalty the consequences of you know their their sin in in the culture according to the law of the land um wh- what does it say about me that I resist allowing them to live fully in the freedom of um, of community and the freedom of life in in church um yeah I just it's convicting I think it's a really convicting conversation to um, to talk about. I was reminded during our conversation with Mark Batterson um, about the courtside ministries. Um, remember those guys who have organized uh, ways in which Christians can be present, like at the courthouse steps, on the sidewalks outside of a courthouse, you know, sitting on those benches that are, seem to be everywhere across America near the courthouse? Um, because people are like literally in their worst day. Um, it's a bad day to be arrested. It's a really bad day uh, to go to court, and there's a tremendous opportunity for ministry at the courthouse steps, on the sidewalks outside of the courthouse. Courthouse or courtside ministries um, would be the would be the website I would direct you to related to that. If you know, if that's something you say to yourself, you know what? I'd like to be equipped. I could do that. I could, I could go and simply pray with and listen to and console and encourage family members um, who are leaving the courthouse without their loved one, Um, people who are walking into a trial, like literally people walking into trial. When do they need Jesus any more than that? Um, So there's some opportunities, I think, for us um, on that side of this conversation as well. And then for those who feel so motivated to do so, I mean, we need real reform in our justice system. Our criminal justice system needs real reform. And so you could um, explore criminal justice reform in your own community. You could explore it on the state level. Certainly you could explore it nationally and actively engage in those conversations. And what does it look like for formerly incarcerated people to be actively involved, invited into the conversations that we're having about criminal justice reform? Like, I I don't know their experience. And so who better to help us have conversations about positive ways to reform our criminal justice system than those who have actually experienced it, which is going to mean we're going to need to get into relationships with people who are formally incarcerated. But maybe this is an entry point. Maybe you, a group of friends, uh, a, a group at your church, your church, maybe you could say, you know what, let's get engaged in the criminal justice reform conversation in our community. And in order, to, in and in, in order to do that, let's invite people who are. Um, affected in every single way. So yes, let's have some police officers. Um, yes, let's have some victims of crime. And yes, let's have some people who are car- uh, formally incarcerated. Let's invite them together to talk about the potential of criminal justice reform in our community. And then let's be the Christians who bring Christ to bear on that conversation. Let's be the second chance people. Let's be the next chance people. Let's be the people who say, There are layers and layers and layers to this challenge, but we are up to the challenge, right? Let's bring that kind of positive Christian witness to bear on this particular uh, constellation of conversations because it it affects, um, I mean, right now, 70 million families, 1.5 million kids have a parent currently incarcerated right now, right now. Um, I know. I know uh, a girl who's a senior in high school whose dad has been in prison for a number of years. Um, She's going to walk across that graduation stage in just a few weeks and he's not going to be there. And that's a pain to her. It's also a pain to him. It's a grief. Um, And so I just think that there are all kinds of opportunities for us to bear positive public witness um, on this particular topic and in these days. All right. It is April. It is Second Chance Month. This is the month in which we are going to walk with Jesus all the way to Jerusalem during the events of Holy Week and ultimately to the cross. And then, yes, we will greet him again, risen from the dead on Easter. We'd love for you to join us in reading the Bible together during Holy Week. You can sign up at myfaithradio.com for the free study guide, the prayer card, and then also subscribe to the daily Reading the Bible together. Podcast. Love for you to join us in that during um, during this season. Other opportunities there um, as well. I know that many of you have asked um, for specific ways that you might support ministries that are on the ground in Ukraine or ministries that are actively engaged with Ukrainian refugees. So Faith Radio is partnering with Feed My Starving Children. And right now, when you support Faith Radio at the Team 40 level or higher, so that is um, the $40 a month giving level, a generous Feed My Starving Children donor is going to fund 40 meals for the vulnerable refugees in and around Ukraine. So you just come to MyFaithRadio.com, you click the Donate button, or you uh, text the word GIVE to 877 933-2484. You're going to be supporting Faith Radio and this ministry, but a generous donor to Feed My Starving Children is going to match your donation and fund 40 meals um, for the vulnerable refugees uh, in and around Ukraine. So it's a great opportunity. I think we're also sending you uh, a Faith Radio t-shirt as well. So, you know, um, goodness all around. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. We got a couple of minutes when we come back. Welcome to the first. April, in addition to being lots of other uh, things, which we have discussed already, uh, April is also um, World Autism Month, Autism Awareness Month. And so you are going to see blue lights on people's front porches. You're going to see blue lights in other places as well. Light It Up Blue is um, part of the Autism Awareness Campaign You are affected by autism, whether you know it or not. You are in relationship with families who have um, a member of their family who is on the autism spectrum. Um, You're in relationship with me, and I have a granddaughter who is um, autistic. And so when we talk about autism and autism awareness, when we talk about a sensitivity to one another, not just being aware of the needs of the individual, but the needs of the family um, and the ways in which the community can be supportive, the way churches can develop ministries that support families who have uh, children with sensory challenges. Um, all of those are, I think, an ongoing calling in the mercy ministry category um, of, of the church's calling in the world today. And so um, let's not just be aware of autism, let's make ourselves more aware of the challenges that not only individuals with autism face, but their families as well. Let's think about special needs ministries in our churches. Let's think about how we can um, support a family who has a child with autism. Let's let's be gracious in public. Let's be accommodating in worship. Um, let's give some forethought to the needs um, uh, of just what we're doing and how we're doing it and how that affects those Who have um, challenges related to the way they process what's happening in the world their brains work differently and our than ours but they are beautiful they are precious they are um, God's children created in his image just uh, the same way that you are the same way that I am Uh, and so let's be aware this month uh, related to autism even as we are giving um, the formerly incarcerated a second chance all right. It has been a great week. Thank you so much for all the ways in which um, you have spent time with me this week by allowing me to spend time with you. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play music app. That way, you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.